Good morning. Welcome to New Hope Chapel Sunday morning praise and worship service. And I welcome those of you online. And today my sermon is entitled, A Psalm for Today. It's based on the third psalm, verses 1 through 8. It should be behind me. For now, please join with me as I always do when I preach. I seek God's anointing. I seek his anointing on these, my words, but his thoughts. Join me as I turn to Psalm 1914. So, dear Lord, this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, we're in a sermon this morning that I could categorize as soul music. And because it's really what the psalms are. They are songs for the soul. You know, they speak to the heart. And the psalm that we're going to be addressing this morning is a unique psalm. And the fact that it is the first psalm that has the word mesmor in it. The Hebrew word mesmor means a poem that is to be sung with musical accompaniment. And this is the first song that David is recorded as having written. It is the song for today. Because I believe that this psalm speaks to where many of us really live day in and day out. And the background of this psalm is bad news. Have you ever experienced a day or perhaps a week, maybe a month, and unfortunately some of you even a year, when bad news was good news because what followed it was even worse news? Well, at the time that this third psalm was written, David was spending some very, very dark days. Very, very dark days in the life of King David. Not only had his son Absalom rebelled against him, but he had taken the kingdom from David, and now he was pursuing him, trying to kill him. You know, the walls of David's life were crumbling all around him. The nation as a whole had been deceived by Absalom. David was no longer considered the king but rather a criminal on the run. He was even being ridiculed as a coward by the people as he passed by them. Well, one morning when the armies of Absalom were closing in on him and when it appeared that all was lost, the Lord gave David this psalm. And this psalm can be easily divided into three parts because you will notice that it is marked by the word Selah, The word Selah means something like this. Stop and think about what you've just heard. It functions somewhat like a speed bump, spiritual speed bump that gets you to slow down and listen to what God has just said. Now remember that psalms were songs that were sung by the people of God. The song that that God gave David is a song that he gives to us if you meet one of the following conditions. If you have problems, if you are under stress, if you're having relational difficulties, if you're going through a physical illness, or if you are being unjustly criticized, if any of these things are happening to you or have happened to you, this psalm is for you. And if they haven't, 
They will. And then this psalm is for you. You know, if any, if God does for David, he's doing exactly the same for us. He, he has some bad news for David. And then he has some good news. And finally, he saves the best news for last. So we're going to consider first, in your outline, consider that you have foes who will be against you. You know, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and if you are determined that you're going to make God first in your life, then the world is a battlefield for you. War has been declared, and you are public enemy number one. You know, we fail to understand that as far as Christians are concerned, the world is enemy territory. Any direction you go in, if you go with God, you're going to meet the enemy. I want you to first listen to Psalm to our text, Psalm 3, verse 1. O Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. I don't have to tell you that a Christian does not have to be looking for trouble. If you are a child of God, trouble will come looking for you. Psalm 119, 157 says, Many are my persecutors and my enemies. And Psalm 34, 19 reads, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. I know that every day when I get up, I have at least three enemies that are just waiting for me when I walk outside the door. I have an enemy around me, I have an enemy within me, and I have an enemy beneath me. The Bible calls these adversaries, these enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world is my external foe. My flesh is my internal foe. And the devil is my eternal foe. And all three of these enemies work 24-7 to try to get you away from God, to try to cause you to lose your witness, lose your testimony, and lose your character. For example, the devil will whisper in your ear, you can get away with it. Even though you know the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. The world says you are just a product of evolutionary chance and your life has no meaning at all. Even though you know the Bible says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and you too. Your flesh will say, eat Drink and be merry, for you may die. Even though you know the Bible says, whatever therefore you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. You know, I am amazed that Christians get amazed when some people don't like them just because they are Christians. Jesus said in John 3.19, This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men loved the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. Listen, we are light living in darkness and darkness hates light and you have foes that are going to be against you. Listen to what these enemies were saying about David. Our text, Psalm 3, verse 2. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. Selah. They were not just mocking David. They were mocking God. They were laughing at David's faith and making fun of David's father. And the word deliverance literally means victory. 
What they were saying was, David, we thought you're used to saying, how great is our God? Where is your great God now? You're not living a victorious life. That's one of the most shameful statements anybody can ever make about a follower of God. But quite frankly, that is what the world says about many Christians today. And let's be honest. The world does not take the church seriously. Because of that, the world does not take God seriously. And the reason is because the church does not take God seriously itself. I want to give you a thought today about your faith in God that I hope you will never forget. And that is, the world cannot see our God, but they can see our faith. And they will measure the size of our God by the size of your faith. What do we need to do? Both in the way our lives are on Monday and the way we worship church in church on Sunday is to show the world that our great faith is such that we serve a great God. Daniel 11.32 says this, But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Listen, I want people that can walk into this church to see a people that know God. I want them to experience what it's like to be around people who see the invisible, who believe the impossible, and want to do the improbable. The world has their gods, and we have our God. And we need to show that there is one God and there is no God like our God. 1 Samuel 2.2 says, There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Friends, remember that when the foes are against you. Second in your outline, consider that we have a Father who is always for you. Now, David made the same fatal error that many Christians often make when they're in the middle of trials and troubles and difficulties. They focus on their foes and focus on their fears and totally forget the Father. Let me tell you what I have learned. When you focus on your foes and your fears, your life will be one day after another of doubt, discouragement, depression, and defeat. You know, one of the purposes of trials and troubles is to get you to focus on God. Whenever problems and troubles come into our lives, do you know what we tend to do? We use them as microscopes to focus on ourselves rather than using them as telescopes to focus on God. And that is exactly what David begins to do in verse 3, which states, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. Did you see the word about? It literally means around. David understood in the middle of trouble and trials that God was a shield around him. Did you know that God surrounds his people with his protection and his love? Psalm 34, 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps all those who fear him and delivers them. Think about that. Wherever you go, the angel of the Lord pitches his tent right beside you. 
If you are in trouble, facing problems, difficulties, and mountains that you don't think you can climb, God is right there with you. We all must remember when those three godly men were thrown into the fiery furnace and that the Son of God was standing right there with them. We've got to remember that when the disciples were in the boat being tossed by a stormy sea, Jesus walks out to them. We've got to remember that Paul was sitting in a Roman dungeon waiting to die and Jesus was living in him. Listen to what David says about God in verse 3 again. He says that God is my glory and the one who lifts my head. Why did God refer, why did David refer to God as lifting his head? Well, whenever we are discouraged or defeated or depressed, what do we tend to do? We hang our heads. Troubles were weighing David down. His shoulders were drooping and his spirits were sagging and his head was hanging. You might be tempted to say, who could blame David under the circumstances? Well, that's the point. David was not under circumstances. He was supposed to be over them. Think about this. You cannot ever focus on God looking down. That is what your outlook is to be determined. It's to be determined by your uplook. Jesus was talking to the disciples on one occasion. He was talking about the great tribulation and he was describing the terrible conditions that would be present during that awful period when God's wrath would be poured on the earth. Listen to what he said to them in Luke 21, 28. But when these things begin to take place, Straighten up and lift up your heads because your, your redemption is drawing near. Listen, if your head is hanging right now, it's because you have not placed your head in the hand of God. And when you are hanging your head, you are looking down, you're not looking up, and you are focusing on your foes and not on your father, and that is what you will live, a life of defeat. Thankfully, David's problems that put him right where he needed to be, on his knees. Now, God had David right where he wanted him. When David had focused on his foes, he had forgotten his father. But when he focused on his father, he forgot about his foes. And one of the reasons why God allows problems to come into our lives is to force us to pick up the prayer phone knocks us off our feet and get us, gets us on our knees so we could pray to him. I want to show you something that you may have missed if, you had, if I hadn't pointed it out to you. In verse, verses 1 and 2, the only time that God is mentioned is for and by David's enemies. But beginning in verse 3, God is mentioned by David five times. God was there to meet David's needs all the time. But before David could have God's assistance, God demanded David's attention. When when David found God, David found peace, for he says in verse 5, I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. David was no longer surrounded by the luxury of his palace. 
He no longer had the love of his people. He no longer commanded the loyalty of his soldiers. And yet he said, I had the best night, the best night's sleep I've had in years. Because he finally discovered that true security and true serenity is found only in God. Now there are some of you who sleep well at night because you've got a savings in the bank, a good job, great health. I've got news for you. A thief can steal your savings. A stock market crash can take away your source of money. The economy can take away your job. Disease can ruin your health. But nobody can take Jesus Christ away from you. Do you know what is so sad? There are people in this world who if they read in the headlines today that God was dead, they would go home and sleep like a baby. But if they got a phone call that they lost their job, they would go and lose their mind. If you are putting your trust and your happiness and your peace of mind and your security and your faith and your hope in anything or anybody except Jesus Christ, you're headed for a big disappointment. I don't care how much you have. I don't care how many title deeds your name is on. When you die, you're going to leave every bit of it behind. But the God of heaven says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Third, considering your outline, that you have a future that should encourage you. I don't know what kind of problems you may be facing or what kind of difficulties you are swimming through or what kind of mountains you are trying to climb. I can tell you that if you know God, your future is as bright as his promises. See, David realized that with God there was really no way he could lose And when he realized that, he went back to being the man that God created him to be and the person that God had called him to be. First of all, his courage came back. What David says in verse 6 is really kind of weird. He says, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who, who have set themselves against me round about. You would think... Anyone with common sense would be afraid of 10,000 people surrounding him, all wanting his scalp. But David said, bring them on. I'm not afraid of anybody, no matter how big he is, or any people, no matter how numerous they are. How could David say that? Because David understood that God plus one is a majority in any situation. Allow me to let you in on a little secret I've shared in other sermons. If God is on your side, it doesn't matter who is not. If God is not on your side, it doesn't matter who is. We don't need to be on the biggest side. We need to be on God's side because God's side is the best side, whether it's the biggest or not. Listen to these words of 2 Samuel 22. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be God, the rock of my salvation, the God who executes vengeance for me. 
and brings down peoples under me, who also brings me out from my enemies. You even lift me above those who rise up against me. You rescue me from the violent man. Not only did David's courage come back, but David's confidence came back. He says in verse 8, Salvation belongs to the Lord. That word that he uses for salvation in verse 8 is the same word that is used for deliverance in verse 2. You can also translate that word victory. See, David finally figured it out. In any situation, victory belongs to the Lord. And if victory belongs to the Lord, and if I, as a child of God, I belong to the Lord, that means that victory belongs to me. Any child of God who is living by the word of God and walking in the will of God and filled with the Holy Spirit of God and committed to the work of God can never, ever lose That is why our confidence should be totally unshaken. And finally, David's commitment had returned to him. He said, verse 8, your blessing be upon your people. David finally understood that even in the middle of your deepest, darkest trials, God's blessing is always upon you. And I don't care how dark the thunderclouds are hanging over your life, they will contain showers of blessing. Do you understand that as a child of God, as long as you are living for him, you are never out from under the blessings that belong to him. When you get into the middle of the battle, you will be victorious. God made David victorious. When Absalom had David in his sight and could have killed him, God causes Absalom to follow bad advice. Instead of pursuing David and capturing David, when he could have, he let him go. When he finally fought his father, David was able to gather strength and was ready for battle. He defeated his son and Absalom died in that process. The next time you are in one of those difficult times, just remember, you have a psalm for today where you can know that even when the foes are surrounding you and are stacked against you, you have a father that is always with you and a future that is as bright as the promises that never fail. Amen? Our service is over. This is a coming week of prayer of preparing our hearts for the Holy Week to come next Sunday, Palm Sunday. Jesus enters the city to receive glory. The events changed. Good Friday reminds us that Jesus dies. And then Easter, Resurrection Sunday, It's got to take your breath away. We should all be singing and shouting in unison and together, come, Jesus, come. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week.